Welcome to PVTV. I'm your host, Ray Porter. Here at Parental Vision, we don't judge. Instead, we just allow parents to tell their stories. Today's guest is a father, a husband, an artist, a musician, an entrepreneur. I mean, the list goes on. So without further ado, I introduce to you, Eddie Newstyle. Yes, sir. Pleasure to have you here, man. So tell the people about Eddie Rivera. So um, I was uh, born in Puerto Rico when I was uh, three. I moved to Connecticut, uh, Philadelphia. And then from there, my mom came down to CT. And um, we started, uh, you know, making our way, uh, way of life out here. You know what I mean? My mom didn't know English. Um, I was three years old and my sister was two years old. And, um, you know, we went through a lot of struggles, but um, I was I was in bilingual classes and, and, you know, a Spanish kid growing up in the late 80s and 90s was really difficult because, um, yeah. you know, the language barrier and the culture shock. You know, I, I come from the mountains in Puerto Rico and then to come to a, a small city like Meriden, Connecticut, um, it was a big, big uh, culture shock for my mom. So. Yeah. You know, we got on Section 8. You know, we did the food stamp thing. Yes, sir. Uh, my mom bust her ass to um, get us out of that situation. And she started working. We got into better homes. And um, in early, you know, early on, I, I uh, became uh, a big fan of art. My mom had a boyfriend that would uh, always be drawing Ninja Turtles, you know, Mickey Mouse, Beetlejuice. Yeah. And I remember um, me picking that up and being inspired by him. Um, and then, you know, at school, that was, that's where I would, uh, do more work with with the art. And I was always focused on art. Now, would you say that, you know, cause most kids, you know, they say, okay, I'm gonna play some football. I'm gonna play some basketball. I'm gonna get us some trouble. Do you feel like art was a way to, you know, I don't necessarily want to say escape, but was art just something that you really latched on to? Because I noticed you mentioned you only had a younger sister, so you didn't have a big brother. Right. And, and I didn't big, have a dad. And either, your so. dad wasn't here at this time. So so art just like served its purpose as like really being your... My mom, um, you know, she was, she, she didn't know English and she didn't have any friends. No, she had no like, no network. And, and so we never, um, I was into karate and boxing. So okay. far when I was younger, my mom didn't have the money to put us in basketball or football, but you know, the little bit of money she had, she would go get us paper and pens and pencils and we would go home and draw. And gotcha. she kept it. She always found ways to keep us in the house because she was so afraid wow. of the world that she wasn't really too familiar with. You know, it's all, it's different when, when you're in Puerto Rico in the mountains, um, she, um, didn't have, you know, the first time she saw McDonald's was in Meriden, you know what I mean? Wow. Or when she came to America. But she said she never saw McDonald's in, in Puerto Rico. We wow. were literally in the mountains. They, they could take showers when it rained. Wow. What part of Puerto Rico? Barranquita. Barranquita. Barranquitas. Barranquitas. Yes. It's like it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful um town in the mountains. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. so yeah, that's you know, back to that. She would keep us in the house, and um, and that's what we did. We would. I remember um, flipping buckets over and playing the drums, you yeah. know, stuff like that. You know, we, we were poor. Yeah, and we're talking about early nineties. You know, ninety, ninety one, yeah, ninety two. Yes, yes, yes. I remember re- being really poor around that time, and then um, you know, little by little, my mom got a better job. That's one thing I always saw. My mom always 
busting her ass to mm-hmm. do more. You know, she learned English helping us with homework. Wow. And, and, and a beautiful thing about that is that those things were instilled into you young and, you know, they came like, look at, look at, look, look at the art on your body. Look at the right. things that you create. It's like, without you even knowing subconsciously, they're embedded in you. And it's funny because me and my sister would draw on each other when we were younger. My sister's a nail tech. She's also an artist. Wow. And, wow. Uh, she's very, very talented too. Yeah. Very talented uh, nail tech, very fast, efficient. Um, but anyways, that's what my mom instilled in us, like just creativity. So it's safe to say that mom planted the seed and y'all just kept kept watering it throughout the years. Sure. Uh, my mom would get with our aunt together. And I remember they, they would just, you know, did a lot of arts and crafts. And we, yeah. they would always they're always making things. But it's sad because, like I said, the language barrier. Yeah. The, the not not having a network out here, where to go, because they could have been entrepreneurs. My uncles in Puerto Rico build houses. You know, they they run they uh, they're all builders and yeah. artists and and uh, entrepreneurs. With out their there. hands, get with their hands. So, right. so growing up, so I guess you know, getting to junior high and high school, did you continue drawing or did you begin to try to find yourself getting a little, you know? So elementary elementary school, I did a lot of art. I remember doing like little Sonics and Mario, you know, little I remember, easy stuff. I remember the Sonics, yeah. And then I, I got, you know. Um, in middle school, I came across an art teacher. His name was Mr. O'Neill. And he, you know, he caught on to my uh, abilities. And, yes. Uh, he always uh, inspired me to do more and, and um, telling me what schools, you know, schools to go to. And I, I, I won um, Best Artist in um, eighth grade mm-hmm. for the yearbook. Um, and then um, high school came. And then things, that's when things took a little turn. Yeah. I stopped doing art. I I, be, I turned into this little angry teenager. My mom, we had a stepdad. Uh, I had a stepdad that was with my mom. You know, they, they were together for like seven years. They were going through their issues. They broke up, and now I had no type of father structure yes. at the yep. house. And then I rebelled, um, dropped out of high school. I did, I did a lot of skipping school, and then I you know started smoking weed. Yeah. Next thing you know, we were um, doing other drugs like ecstasy. Yeah. Dust, angel yeah. dust, and, yeah. and um, cocaine, and yeah. we started yeah. just dibbling in that type yeah. of lifestyle. And then you know we would uh, we started rapping, listening to Bone Thugs. That was like a that was like one of the big yeah. um, groups that we were big yeah. fans of. They came out in ninety five. Ninety five. Easy E brought them out. I remember yep. because. Well, they, they came out a little before, but they became... They, they blew up they with blew Crossroads up and, then, right, and all that. Right. Yeah, 1995. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's when you started rapping and started making music. I started rapping, yeah, because believe it or not, I grew up listening to Spanish rap. Yeah. You know, everything was Spanish. when I, Like, so when I first came to... I have a very strong American accent now. Yeah. But, like, back then, I didn't know English and it was straight Spanish. You know, I didn't... So I listened to Spanish music. I spoke Spanish at home. I only did English at school. All my friends were Spanish because we were we were all in bilingual class, so we yeah. were all Spanish. So I didn't, you know, um, I had a couple white friends, a couple black friends, but literally, it was literally Spanish. It was like pro Puerto Rican, and yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. Like, <laughs> so uh, I, I grew up listening to Spanish music. So I would listen yeah. to uh, you know Vico C. Um, yep. Daddy Yankee back yep. in 91. Yep. Like I used yep. to listen to yep. Daddy Yankee in 1991. Nobody, wow. he came out, he became a, this big deal in what, 2000. Yeah. But um, I, I used to listen to all those guys back then. Um, And uh, 
what made me fall in love with hip hop was uh, when Biggie and the Locks came out, like you know, and then Money Power Respect. I remember yes. Money Power Respect, and then um, the Coolio song, um, Gangsta's Paradise. Paradise. Rest in peace. I remember Coolio's these songs. Past. I mean, yeah. these songs. I remember these songs that really like inspired me. And then Bone Thugs with First yep. of the Month. First of the Month. Yep. yep, um, yep. What other rap songs? And then Eminem came out, and it was like, whoa. Because I could never relate to the drug dealing stuff. Because yeah. I wasn't really into yeah. that. You know, my mom never watched. let me watch gangster movies. You know, I had to sneak out to watch Friday, you know, at my wow. friend's house. You yeah. know what I'm saying? She yeah. never, my mom never let me watch any of those movies. It was straight cartoons or superhero stuff. So she I let you a, be a kid, man. Be she let kid. me be a kid. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? She, she tried to protect kid. me from everything she could, which is like, it's a, um, it's good and bad. Yeah. Because I feel like, if, it's, if you do too much protecting when you hit the teenage, it's like... You're going to want, you're going to, want to experiment. And that's kind of like what yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. But I, I appreciate my mom for keeping me inside the house because I spent a lot of time alone and thinking about things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I remember being really young and saying to myself, I want to be an artist at Disney. But also being smart enough to know that I'm not going to be able to afford that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I didn't, I didn't look at it as like a reality because yeah. we couldn't afford stuff. Um, so it's sad because you, if you had a mentor, you would be like, listen, there's like, you could afford it. Cause there's like scholarships and there's this, yeah. we never had that type of, um, upbringing when we were kids. Like my mom never knew things like that. Yeah. That was going to be my next question. Did you have a mentor? Did you ever have a mentor? What I'd never, ever had a mentor. Never. Growing up. I mean, I had a little, uh, like Mr. O'Neill at, yeah, uh, art teacher, school. yeah. And, and that was when I was at his art class. It wasn't like someone I could always go see. Um, I never really had a mentor. My mom would give me wisdom, but she was always busy working uh, 12-hour shifts, literally all the time in a factory. Best, just doing the best. My mom would come could. home from work every day with a freaking migraine. Go to sleep, wake up, and do it all over do again. Do it all and, over again. And it was like 12 hours at a... She was a forklift operator at a factory. Oh, wow. For for years, you know what I mean? Yeah. And And that's all she could do because it was just a lack of education. Her mom passed away. She was 16, so it's like... Oh wow! Her world like turned upside down when she was sixteen. That's when she rebelled and, yeah. and and went and got pregnant with me in nineteen. And she was young; she was nineteen years old. Yeah, it's generational. So you're listening to music. You get into rap. You know, experiment with a little bit of drugs here and there. You know, like all teenagers mm-hmm. do. Um, at what age did you become a dad? At nineteen, 19. I same I, age as your mom. Nineteen. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And what made you decide to choose that specific individual to be the mother of your child? So um, I remember being in a relationship with my first love and um, her breaking up with me and me being uh, heartbroken. You know what I mean? She moved. She went to college upstate. I was devastated. That's what actually made me start doing even heavier drugs. Oh, I got okay. really, I just, I said, Press, yeah. fuck it, I'm... I'm depressed. No, she doesn't love me. I want, you know, uh, a teenager with no emotion, emotional control, pretty much. So yeah. I started doing more drugs and then I started partying and going out there. So I met, um, I, I was really good friends with my first kid's mom. We were, um, and, and she was, we were just friends. Um, eventually just turned into something where, you know, um, it became a little more serious. And um, we were just out being kids. She was 18. I was 16. And then, you know, we became, became more serious. And then my, um, she got pregnant. And then that's, 
when my um, daughter was born. But, you know, I am going to be honest. When I was around that age, I was uh, heavy drugs. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to be the person I became if I didn't stop that lifestyle. Before I went to jail, I remember my mom, I used to go do drugs with my friends at this house. Everyone went there and did drugs. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember my mom pulling up to the house and saying, you know, calling for me for, for me to come outside. And she showed me a picture of my daughter. She was like eight months in a picture. She was beautiful. And she's like, if you don't fucking change your life, this is what you're going to lose. And I remember looking at my daughter. I'm like, wow, that girl looks exactly like me. And I'm, I don't know. The, 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 my mom gave me like a Rocky motivational speech. And, and she was in the yeah. car. And she was so like passionate. Like, I need you to change. I, I need you to look at what you're missing out on. And I was like, I was high on cocaine. You know what I'm saying? I'm over here dripping down my nose. I'm yeah. fucking, I ain't, you know, I ain't know what to tell her. Yeah. I said, okay. And then she pulled off and I went in the house. But she, I don't, you know, I told her um how, how, how inspiring that conversation was. Even though I wasn't really looking like I was paying attention or cared, that conversation changed my life. Because that same night I said, you know what? I'm going to stop doing this. I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to change my life. And I, I remember not picking anything up no more after that, right? And then weeks later, I, uh, you know, still in a, in a situation where, like I said, me and the mom were toxic. Stuff happened. Police came, um, and I went to jail. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, in jail, I did it like a year, year and a half in jail. And then in that time, I got so much time to really think and reflect about the person I used to be, to who I became, and who I wanted to be. Prison to make prison to make you do that. It make you look in that mirror of accountability. Right, and you know the great thing about it is, in the beginning, I was in a single cell. Yeah. So I was by myself. I, all I had there was time, time to, to think. think. That's it. And, and just like wow, um, I used to be. I think I used to be incredible when I wasn't. When I didn't think I was incredible, I'm thinking about what, what I, who I used to be, and I was incredible as far as with my art. I remember I always got compliments. And I let everything go. You know what I mean? I remember, you know, selling the Nintendo 64 my mom worked hard for to get to give it to the Christmas because I wanted to get some weed. That's a, that's where I got to. Yeah. So I was like, I need to get back to that. And then in jail, I um, there's some and this is the thing. Being incarcerated is probably the best thing that ever happened to me. It sounds crazy, but it's no, it, it saved my fucking life. life. But you life. can't go in, into jail with no plan and, and not trying to get things done. Like I didn't have my high school diploma. I went to jail and got my GED. Same here. I got fit. I read books. I remember yes. um, one of my good friends, Italian kid, I think he was Italian. He was always reading like books, like 48 laws of power, yes. you know, um, the four read, agreements. Yeah. I read Donald Goins. All that stuff. Yeah, Donald Goins. Malcolm X. So he, yeah. he put me on all these books and I was, I, so I started reading these books and I suck at reading. I still suck at reading. I hate reading. Yeah. I do audio books now because I prefer to listen. I, I, I feel like I learn more. And, um, so in jail, I started, you know, I, I would pay, my mom wouldn't send me money. She's like, I remember she sent me $50 for Christmas. That was it. She's like, you're going to, you're going to do your, you, you put yourself in there. You're going to figure it out. So in jail, I was doing art, selling the, hand- the handkerchiefs and the envelopes. I was cutting hair. I did everything I could. Because in jail, you got to hustle. You've been, you've been incarcerated. So, you know, you got to hustle in different ways. You, you ain't got the money, but you're going to trade a haircut for some soups or cookies or... Absolutely. 
You know what I mean? So that's how I survived in there. And um, I got my GED. And I remember that day, um, I remember the teacher wasn't going to let me uh, take the test because I wasn't showing up to class. Mm. But it was really because I was easily distracted. I was there with other younger kids, you know, I was there and they were all distracting. And I remember. Let me hold you for one for a second. When you because I I suffer from that too. You were easily distracted. It's, it's not that you didn't know the work, but you had so much going on in your head and so much Can't things going on at home, you couldn't pay attention. Right. I, I didn't I, I didn't understand that until I got older. Me either. So back then, I remember um, I would do a lot of my best artwork yeah. at home by myself because I could concentrate. I bring it back to art class, and no one ever believed I did this art because. In art class, I just fooled around yeah. because I'm distracted by so many different things. And I remember always getting an A in that class because my art teacher would know that I'm just too. T- I was I was too advanced for the class, so I would just fool around. Yeah. But he would always appreciate the art that I would bring home from home, and he would ask my mom like, "Did he really do this?" And he's like, "Yeah, he goes into Rome and does his art." So yeah, pretty much. Um, I do better. I spend a lot of time alone because of that. Yeah. So. So 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 you you get out of prison, uh, you know your your mom show you the picture. You go to prison. You have some time to get knowledge yourself, mm-hmm. uh, reflect and and look at some things that you some poor decisions that you made. You come home. Uh, how old is your daughter at this time? She's eighteen. She's eighteen. Mm-hmm. So how much? How, how long you did? Oh, uh, um, I did a year and a half. You did a year and a half. Yeah. So when you came home, I mean, like how? She how, was two. She was two. Okay. So right. So, yeah, she was two. So, mind you, I come home from jail with nothing at all. Zero. I had no place to go, live. I, I had nowhere. I was literally, I remember staying at my brother's house for a week. My mom's at a friend's. I would just bounce around. Um, and at the time, uh, it's funny because my son, when I went to jail, uh, my kid's mother was also pregnant again with my son. Oh, wow. So, I, I got to meet him when I got, got out of jail. Okay. And then I had to take a bus. I remember my kids were living in Berlin. So I, I remember I would go to the mall and take a bus all the way to Berlin from Meriden to go see my kids. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then... Um, you yeah, made the effort. I respect I, that. I made... <laughs> my kids changed... I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my kids. If it wasn't yeah. for my mom showing me that picture that night and me... I, I don't know. Something happened that day. Yeah. Like, I love my children. Something about my kids that just gives me the strength and energy to keep going. Yep. If it wasn't for my mom doing that, that's, I probably would have That's evident, it. too. That's evident, too. For sure. That's uh, evident. That's evident. I know, I, I just, from doing my research on you, I know that that's where you get your strength from. And so my next question is, what were some of the challenges that you faced coming home to nothing, being a young dad, hard to provide, you know, for your kids? Mm-hmm. What are some of the challenges that you faced? So when I came home, um, my kid's mother was, she, we weren't together because, um, you know, uh, the reason why I was in jail is because we had domestics and, yeah. and it was very toxic. Uh, but she had some type of surgery that she was in the hospital for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, her mother was taking care of the kids. Um, and I had to come out, look for work. I remember I took a job at a farm, a flower farm yeah. for seven fifty an hour. <sighs> and it was under the table. And um, I was working with a bunch of immigrants and um that's, we got paid every two weeks. And that was my job. I was working there 14, 15, 16 hours a day just to get, I remember, 800 bucks every two weeks. And then, um, you know, I was focused. I, I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't smoking cigarettes. I wasn't doing anything. 
um, little by little, I started smoking cigarettes because you're around the people. I finally, uh, I, I remember meeting my second kid's mom around that time. And then I move in with her. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, I was really depressed. Yeah. Because um, during the time I was doing um, the Bazudos things, I was rapping and investing all my money into music. And I was trying to um, be something because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to rap. And um, eventually that's it. The money wasn't coming in and I, I couldn't invest no more into rap music. And, yeah. and then and I got really depressed, really dark, dark times. I felt like a piece of shit. I was 20 years old. I had two kids. I mean, I did whatever I could to take care of my kids. But yeah. I was depressed. You know, Because that's something that you had your heart set out on. You were passionate about it. I was that. so passionate about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, And I was doing so good with it for a little bit. But once the money runs out... The run, the car yeah. stopped running. You know yes, what I'm saying? Yes. And then it's like, oh, okay, um, you're not, you don't have no money coming in. So what the fuck are you gonna do? Yep. Um, and then so then I got my third child on the way, and I'm 28 years old, and I have nothing to show for my life, but the kid that wanted to be a rapper. Mm. And that's a little embarrassing, you know. Yeah. When nobody takes you, here, here, here comes the broke kid with that wants to be a rapper and has three, a third kid on the way. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So I kind of was like, you know what? Fuck the music for right now. Let me think of something. Um realistic because all this was, stuff that i do now was finding I, yourself man. i was trying to figure it out yeah. um so they looked at me like what the fuck is this kid doing i was actually working at cisco at the time from four in the morning to five and i would go to barber school from from five to nine so i got tired of that yeah. i took a six-month leave and i was about to quit um the barbering thing because I, yeah. I remember being in, in, in barbering class getting laughed at Mm. My haircuts were, weren't good. And my mm. designs were good. I was like, mm. yo, everything I try, everyone says I suck at. So I'm yeah. like, that shit sucks. You know what I'm saying? Start you get, questioning yourself. You start questioning man. yourself. Yeah. And around that same time, I was selling little oil pastel drawings. I remember one night, I did a, a Ninja Turtle, and I uh, posted on Facebook, and someone asked how much. I said 40. And then next thing you know, someone else asked. And next thing you know, another person asked. And I'm up to $100, these oil pieces that I was doing, oil pastel. So I was making a little bit of money doing that. Um, and then I was doing a little bit of money um, cutting hair, $8, $10 haircuts. And I was like, you know what? Let me just go back to school and finish. I went back. I finished. I started working at a barbershop that was kind of popular, a little mm-hmm. busy barbershop in Meriden. And um, yeah, five years straight, I kept working and I built my clientele up. Day for day. Day for day. Every single day I was there uh, um, on Saturdays at five in the morning, and I was and I was there on Sundays at seven in the morning, and, and every other day I was working. But the weekends I would I was on point all day there, and building my clientele up, and then um, my money started coming in. Like I started yeah. making money. Like cutting hair, if you focus, you're making six figures. Yes, I cut hair every fifteen minutes. No one believes me, and I honestly I don't like to brag about it because I don't like knowing. Yeah. I don't like people knowing how much money I make, but I cut hair every 15 minutes. I always said, if you can cut, if you look at the clock, if you can cut a hair for every 15 minutes, you're going to cake up. I don't even want to tell many people, people can how do much that. money I already, make. I already, you ain't got to tell me, brother. I, 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 I know. Because like, I said, if I was going to do this, I said, I got to get to the point to where I can cut a head every 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah. I, I try. I, I try. Like I said. I could tell you numbers and I could just to, to inspire someone to want to be a barber, but I also don't like speaking about it because it sounds yeah. ridiculous. I, I mean, 
nice car. I mean, yeah. I got I got I got a beautiful lifestyle. I travel like 10, 12 times a, a year. I, I, I got a nice car. I got a beautiful house, beautiful wife, beautiful kids, a beautiful business. And all I got from all doing the free what you love. All from cutting hair and in the art too, you yeah. know, because the art adds. Um, I sell art too. Yeah. But it's just the entrepreneur mentality. Yeah. You know, um, reading the books. Yeah. You know, Think and Grow Rich was one of them. Uh, oh, yeah. The Alchemist. Think and Grow Rich, that by Napoleon Hill? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So all those books, and I'm always reading um, Grant Cardone, Seller Be Sold. Yeah. You know. Um, Great books. I always tell people to, and I don't want to sit here like like this genius that no, go ahead, man. sit go here ahead. and talk about it. Like, I'm sitting here reading books. I don't yeah. read books anymore. I like to read short little paragraphs, magazines maybe, but I don't have the attention span to sit there and read a whole book. And that's yeah. okay. So, right. So that's why they make audio books. That's what, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And I remember, uh, Henry Ford once said, if you can't do something, hire someone to do it for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's pretty much what we're doing. When we listen to audio books, you hire someone to read you the book. And I understand that a lot better than me sitting there reading the book. Yeah. And then and and then like what me thinking like what the hell did I just read? I gotta read yeah. it again. When Process is different. When I, I listen to it, it, it's like so they always say, um, if you wanna learn something, you gotta listen, right? Yep. So what makes you think you're learning something when you're reading, you're talking? Hmm. You're not really listening. Hmm. So I think if you shut up and listen to an audiobook, you'll get more out of it than actually reading it. But that's my opinion. You know what I mean? No, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly because I have stopped, <clears throat> excuse me, I have stopped uh, kind of reading. But I don't like to say stop reading books because if you're listening to an audio, you're still reading it. But you just right. actually, we really don't have the time to just open a book and just sit no. there. But when I'm coming from the gym, when I wake up in the morning, when I'm in the shower, when I have some yes. downtime, I could just push play. I don't listen to music in the car. Yeah. And, and it's crazy because I love music. When I'm in a car, I'm listening to podcasts or I'm listening to a book. Yeah. Um, when I'm at the gym on a treadmill, I'm listening to a book. Just to a book, yep. You know what I mean? I just I don't have time to sit on the couch and read a book. If I sit on the couch, my mind's wandering off, creating what's my next venture, my next idea. So you said you was barbering for five years straight, no days off. No days off. Complete grind. And so that puts you in a position to be able to take care of your kids more. Mm-hmm. Um, financially, mm-hmm. be there for them, you know, because this is a lot of people don't understand when you're not set financially, it affects the way you think, it affects the way you respond, react, yep. the way you act. Uh, you know, there's a lot of insecurity going on, you yes. feel insecure, so you know, insecure when yeah, you're broke. And, yeah. I, and I can honestly speak on that because I've been so broke. I remember back then, um, like I remember I, I had a date I had to go to when I was, you know, years ago, and I canceled the date because I had no money. You know what I'm saying? Um, and a lot of things. It's just <laughs> yeah, funny. Yeah. No, that's like, real. But that's I real say that story because it's funny as hell to me. Like, you know, I, I had to cancel a date because I was that broke. You know what yeah. I'm saying? To the point where now I don't worry about money. Yeah. It's not even a worry. Like, I don't I don't worry about money no more. I haven't worried about money for a long time. Yeah, that's a blessing. For a while, which I'm blessed. But no, you got to get up. It's not like I'm sitting there not doing anything. I'm, yeah. I, I've created a uh, trusted brand, you know, to this point where it's like, People are coming to me to get haircuts, buy my art. I make money off my music. Trust it, and I and I like to say reputable as well because I've I've heard great things about you know what you've been what what you've been doing, man. Just, I appreciate just, that. Just not even on a barbering tip, just who you are as a person, and um, you know it's it. I mean, it speaks volumes. You can tell a person 
by their energy before they even open their mouth. So, man, kudos to you. Um, you know, just 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 listening to your story, uh, you're a relentless individual. Um, you didn't give up on yourself. And uh, I, what I what I love about your story is that the most important part about your story to me is your mom showing you that picture. And even mm-hmm. though you weren't even in your right mind, you were high. You still had enough common sense to say, wait a minute, this is my mom showing me a picture mm-hmm. of my daughter at my lowest point. Can't get no lower than this except six feet deep. I only can go but up. Nobody told you this is what you have to do. You had a choice. Mm-hmm. And because you made that choice, along with other wise choices, you're sitting here right now, um, a millionaire, an entrepreneur, and you know, I don't I'm not counting your pockets. I don't know if you are. I just like to speak things into I'm not existence. A, I'm not a millionaire yet. Yeah, I just like to I speak things. Yeah, I just like to speak things into existence. So I so my next question is um, back on the parenting side, so you, you you get in a position to where you can really take care of your kids financially and in other aspects. What did you find yourself really enjoying about being a father now that you're in this position? So when I was a dad, I got four kids. So when I was a dad to my first two kids, um, I was young, stupid, ignorant. I, I you know, I was a, I was a boy. I wasn't a man yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think. Uh, it takes years to become a real man for you to really take that word and say, I'm a man. That's yeah. You don't just get that. I think, you know, you yeah, got to no, earn no. that yeah. title. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, I learned a lot with my first kids. I was always there. Um, after the first two years, I was always there. I was trying to be, you know, birthday parties. I was learning how to teaching them how to ride bikes. I was always there, but I was also trying to, uh, learn who I was and, and learn how to be a man, how to be a father too. You know what I mean? And and you can't love no one else until you love yourself. That's a fact. And, and you can't provide for nobody else until you provide for yourself. So I was always in the in the balance in limbo with that, trying to you know uh, learn and trying to take care of myself so I could take care of them. And, and I I always put my kids. First, when it came to schools and Christmas and, you know, anything that was very, very important, I always made sure I did my best. But, you know, in my 20s, I wasn't that that I am now in my 30s. You know, now I I spend a lot more time with my younger daughters. You know, I learned from the times of being a beginner dad in my 20s. Um, But I raised some great kids. My my oldest... um, pretty much manages a restaurant, lives by herself, has her own car, and she's 18. And she never calls me for money ever. Mm. You know what I mean? I taught her how to fish, pretty much. Yeah. I'm set with her. She's good. Yeah. She's 18? She's 18. She has her own apartment, bank account, credit cards. Sounds like she's 28. That's what's up. For sure. She (laughs) she got it more together than a lot of grown men. And that's a fact. You know, like, and I'm proud of her for that. And I know she's going to take it so much further she never she didn't go to college and um it's okay because yes. i know what you're capable of. putting the kids in the field sooner that means they're getting more experience you mm-hmm. put a kid in college for four years and you put a kid in the streets for four years this person is gonna have so much more experience mm-hmm. with the real world than the college one but yeah. nothing wrong with college because yeah, not at all, in I college agree. you're going to have a certain type of experience too 
you know, it just depends what you do with both. Yeah. yeah. No, and, and I and I asked that because I saw the video, uh, your son mm-hmm. getting busy on the court. I saw mm-hmm. him playing basketball. And what really stuck out to me is the passion in your daughter's eyes when she was taking singing lessons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're musicians. Right. So when you, you look at somebody and know when they're passionate and serious mm-hmm. about something. And I'm looking and I'm like, yeah, she got it, bro, because she eight, wasn't she's eight years she old. wasn't shy. Yeah. And she was just you I felt it. Mm-hmm. Uh watching her look at the iPad and singing. And I saw the cap, she was like, yo, you know, she's getting better. She's you you, you um gave her a challenge and told her you were paying right. fifty dollars yeah. she she could uh, remember the song from yep. Frozen. And she sung it with all of her, all of her heart. I don't even really think she cared about the she 50 She gave it bucks. her best, yeah. She gave it her best. Oh, she cared about the 50 after. Oh, she did? <laughs> but she gave her, and the reason why, like, I would always be in the other room, and she'll be in her room, and I hear her singing. Yeah. And then um, I'm like, wow, she sounds, like, beautiful. My daughter sounds great. Yes. So I go up to her, I'm like, hey, um, if you could, rem- you know, pick a song, re- memorize it, I'm going to record you. I'll give you 50 bucks. I'm just joking around. Yeah. Oh, Four or five days later, she's like, "Dad, I got the song memorized." I'm, I'm in mm. total. I'm shocked. I'm like, "You got the song memorized?" So her talent of singing that wasn't what impressed me. Her not being shy and her remembering the song was the most impressive thing, because those are hard things. That's yes. a little harder than actually yes. singing. Yes. Um. So that's I'm like, what I wow. got. That's what I got. What I saw. I said, "She's not shy." Because I remember my first talent show, I ran off stage. And I think I was like 11. I don't know why. I just freaked out. I just ran off stage. So when I saw, I just admired that. And it makes you really want to follow a child like that career. Because once you get over the frightening stage, it's, yeah. it's, it's up. So my next question to you is, how how important is it to you to really invest in your kids' dreams? So um, my, my, my oldest daughter... I want to um, start this uh, mobile detailing business. I mean, and it seems like at this point she doesn't want to do it anymore. I pretty much tell my kids to do it all, try it all. Um, if one fails, you go try something else. And if you yeah. felt like the one that failed is the one, come back. It's yeah. like you're still the the 20s are not what they used to be. The 20s oh, is no. trial and error yes. decade. Have fun, fuck up a hundred million times. You know, um, I. At 30, it pretty much, between 30 and 40, that's, it seems it's still a little um, early ages of entrepreneurship and stuff yeah. like that. Because I, I think that's what my daughter wants to do. So I, I, that's the advice I give her. And as long as she has that work ethic, she's always going to be successful. It's all about having a work ethic and not being lazy and being negative. You know, yeah. and, and Life's about having uh, your perception of it. You know, it's how, what you think about it, you know, what you think all day long. Um, it's what, what your life is. You are what you think. We are the sum of our choices. I agree with that. So yeah. then, well, my son, I'm not a sport guy. I don't know nothing about basketball. You know, I don't know anything about football. I know I like the Cowboys because that was the team that was winning in the 90s. 92, 93. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Emmett, and, uh, Troy. And, and I know I like, I like the Bulls because that was Michael Jordan. You know, Same like, time, yep. So it was like, but I don't know nothing about it. But I support him. You know, he yeah. wants to do it. Um, I support what, whatever he does. Um and then with my younger daughters, they're more artistic. Yeah. So it's something that I could pick up on at an earlier age. Like my son, I could never pick up to what he wanted to do because it was he. I don't. He wasn't an artist. Mm-hmm. So I could I could find an artist. Yeah. Quick, but when it comes to like sports or anything like that, I can't really tell you. Oh, that kid's talented. He, he's gonna be a great basketball player. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But 
you know, supporting them and um, providing for them. Like my son, you know, asked me to cash app him 10, 20 bucks. I'll do it. Like I'm not. Um, and sometimes I feel like my son deserves certain things. He probably doesn't. But I, um, I remember um, not getting a lot of things because I didn't deserve them. And it yeah. made me be mad. Yeah. So I don't ever want my son to be mad at me. I want yeah. him to know that, you know what? You're fucking up, but I'm still, I still got your back. But eventually I won't be here to have your back because that well's going to dry up on you. Like I give, I give tough love. Even yeah. with my daughter. Me too. Me too. You have to. You have to, man. You have to because the world ain't this beautiful uh, um, place where everything goes your way all the time. And when, yeah. when you love your kids, to them it seems like everything goes their way until they're in college or they're in a different state with you not around and now you're dealing with the real world yeah. with your boy that probably going to rob you. Um, yes. You know, sleep with your girlfriend. Um, yes. The real life stuff that you're not prepared for. It's cold out there. The world ain't got no and you're gonna sympathy be, You ain't going to be prepared yeah. for it and you're going to be depressed, sad, and potentially shoot someone or kill yep. or commit suicide because yep. you, you couldn't control your emotions. And I think um, the biggest thing with boys are their emotions. Women seem like they have more control over their emotions over teenage boys. I mean, I'm talking about teenage girls have more control than the teenage boys. We got the the teenage boys got the testosterone thing that's flowing at an early age. So I feel like we really got to watch out for the boys and be there for for them more. Yes. Because, you know, we're always protecting our little girls. Like this, you know, the boy, he can go get his ass beat, but I'm going to protect my little girls. But we also got to protect our little boys because... If, if if you don't um come up with ways on how to understand and and help the boys, I feel like that's why we got all these shootings and mm-hmm. all these fights Violent and shape. the drugs. It's mainly you know um, boys that are going through emotions, and uh, and and they don't have they lack the proper guidance. And a so, lot of it, yeah. yeah. And so they're listening because you know we listen to music. You you know how Bone Thugs and Biggie that music influenced mm-hmm. us. Whereas now, these kids are just influenced by the music and, and feel like, well, if I got a gun on my hip or you know or if I'm carrying a gun, then I have no respect for authority. I can kill anybody. I can do this to anybody, and you know, not necessarily get away with it, but. Th- Nothing is higher than me and this gun. You get what I'm saying? I remember being 16 and having a a gun on me that my friend let me borrow. And I remember feeling like unstoppable. Unstoppable. Like no Immortal. one. Immortal. Like you can't pull over to fight me. Like I remember one time some dudes pulled over and, and jumped me and beat me up. And then after that, I felt like I needed to get a gun. And I had it for a little while. And when I had the, the gun, I just felt like, I swear to God, no, I, I feel so secure right now. You know what I mean? And then, But it wasn't me. Yeah. So I remember giving it back to my friend. And I still haven't got the gun permit, which I am going to because just the way the world yeah, is. And I'm a businessman yeah. and I'm always moving around with money. And my bus- I work at a barbershop. You never yeah. know. But I haven't, like, ran to do that. I don't care for that i don't believe in like i don't believe in guns that's just me yeah you know what i'm saying i i I, I feel like the world would be better off with swords and fucking and nunchucks (laughs) you know i agree i agree like samurais and shit i agree it's unfortunate you see what's happening what's going on in the schools and you see what's going on and that's the main reason the school shootings is the biggest thing where it's like get that's the way i think about it but then again we can't get rid of them because they're out there and we got to protect ourselves so i understand you know when it comes to political world uh, they want to get rid of the guns. Some people don't feel like they should get rid of them. 
Um, obviously, we're not going to get rid of them. They're out here. So we yeah. should all, I think we should all be learning about them and learning how to have them and protecting ourselves with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, because I mean, we live in a crazy world right now. Especially the, the schools getting shot up. Like I feel like every month we're hearing about a school shooting. Or a restaurant or so. You can't, you know... Um, you know, condolences out to the families that recently, you know, um, the people lost family members in Buffalo. Like, yes. picture you get in the car saying, "Hey, yo, your grandmother just got shot in the grocery store. She lived, she lived seventy years, only to get shot when she went to go get some a, salt and pepper at a grocery store." Probably to cook for the family. Yeah, to cook for the oh, it's crazy. Yeah, man. So, the path that you're on right now uh, speaks volumes. Um, it. I think it's a blessing because someone's going to watch this um, at some point in time in their life and they're going to use it for a blueprint. And I think it's awesome that you wear many hats. Um, You're an artist. Um, You're a barber. You're an entrepreneur. Um, You're a musician. You recently just dropped the EP. And I had the time to listen to it, and I studied the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And you said a line in there. You said, "Cutting hair and drawing pics, trading for commissary. No one really knew that one day I would be legendary." Mm-hmm. And I felt that because that's no mumble jumble rap. That's speaking into existence, mm-hmm. and. You're still that guy that 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 looked at that picture that your mother showed you and look 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 what you're look at what you're blossoming into. Like when you speak about your daughters and you speak about your son and how they're successful in their own right, and that's legendary mm-hmm. because you could ignore your mother. I, and you understand crazy. what I'm saying? I, and I, th- those lyrics would have never came to fruition. You're right, and um, I I literally wake up every day thanking God. No no one really understands like. People see me now and they're like, okay, you're blessed. Your your life is good and you're married. You got a beautiful wife. You got kids. You got home. You know, you take vacations. But um, no one really knows how dark my life was 10 years ago where I wanted, I wanted to kill myself, hang myself in the closet. You know what I'm saying? And being so heartbroken. You know what I'm saying? And um, no one really knows about the darkness and me saying like, wow, I'm not good enough. I'm like. So that's why I'm good at so many different things because someone will tell me I sucked. I'm like, I got to try something else. Yeah. Someone told me, I, and it's like, suck, you suck, you suck. So I was like, I suck at everything. And it got to the point where it's like, I'm done with life because I suck at everything. You know what I mean? Like I, try, I and then um, I was letting people, I remember Les Brown said this, he said, uh, someone's opinion of you doesn't have to become your reality. Mm-hmm. And when I heard those words, like Les Brown, like if I ever saw Les Brown, I'll give him the biggest hug because those yes. words, like I've always listened to things, but when he said someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality, it like opened a whole new door. And just, then I said, just those words, those words right there. And he was so passionate about those words. Like he, like I felt the pain in them. Like, yes. And, and like, please believe me, you know what I'm saying? And then um, it just opened a whole set of new belief where I'm like, Fuck everything and fuck yeah. everyone, and I'm going to be me, and I'm gonna give you everything I got. Like now, I'm not coming with music alone. Now I'm not just coming with art. Now I'm not just coming with barbering. Now you're getting a super Megatron that's yeah. hitting you with everything. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I'm yeah. like, I, I, that's it. 
just all around. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit life because at this point it's like I don't even care about the people. Yeah, I'm hitting life with everything I got, and I'm gonna give it my all to the point where it's like I'm the superhero that I needed when I was a kid. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So when I look back, I'm like, what you know? What now? Like I remember I had a song, one of my songs that say, um, "03 never graduated, but I'm making more money than the ones that hated." You know what I'm saying? I'm making more bucks than the ones who hated because. I remember those times where yeah. they put me down and, you know, every, I remember everyone grabbing the diplomas. I was a drug addict and I remember going to my um, 2003 graduation. I didn't graduate, but I remember I was being there and watching yeah. all these kids and they did, they, you know, they did their thing. But when I sit back and look at it, it's like. I'm here, you know, I'm on a certain different type of... Uh, you had a different path. Right? I had a different, had a path, different path, and it's not like putting people um, down. Like, I don't, you know, it's not holding a grudge. The people that... Yeah. I've actually had people apologize. Hey, I'm sorry how I treated you back in eighth grade. And, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're grown men now, but it's it's good to see that you could turn all that negativity and fuel yourself to become something incredible. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm not saying I'm an incredible, but... I, I strive to be incredible every single day. Yeah. The best version of me. Like, I'm not competing with no one else. I know yeah. I could look in the mirror. I said, I did better than I did yesterday. It, it, man, I tell people that all the time. is you versus you. It, and it, to hear you say, Les Brown, that's my guy, man. I'm the one. Like, I listened to that. And it, 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 you know, that along his, with His uh, speech at the Dome. At the Dome. is my favorite speech. At the Dome. Of, at of the all. Dome. At the Georgia Dome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dome. yeah. Things like that, man. It's like, so when you say you grew up and you didn't have a mentor, you were young. Now look at you right now. You can make like, like in, in, in a roundabout way, Les Brown is your mentor. You understand what I'm saying? So that's where we're at. Like we live in an area where there's no real mentors. And I remember being younger, working at a roofing company. No one wanted to teach me how to do roofing. Then I remember working at, everywhere I went for some reason. I don't know what it is about me. That no one ever wanted to be like, let me take you under my wing. I'm going to teach you how to make some money. No one. Not one person. You know what I'm saying? Um, my mentor now is uh, um, my friend Raphael. Mm -hmm. He owns a recycling business. Um, he's the one actually invested in, in um, my idea for the shop and all that. Yeah. And he's a great mentor. Shout like, out to Raphael. Shout out to Rafa. Yeah. Yep. Raphael. Um, he's a great mentor. All it mentor. takes is one person believing you. He, for real. That's all it takes. And, and this man believed in me. And um, him believing in me changed my life. But you know what's crazy? I, this is another Les Brown situation because um, I remember Les Brown saying, "Don't. it's not your business where the money coming from. Do you remember? You, see, you heard yeah, that speech? Yeah, yeah. He's like, don't worry yeah. about where the money come from. Just keep working at your craft. So I remember him saying that. And I'm like... How you not worry about the money? You gotta worry about the money. No. So I going. said, you know what? I'm listening to this guy because he was so passionate, working every day, every day, every day. And then my investor slash mentor comes up to me. He's like, I see you working in the shop every single day. You want to open a barbershop? Mm. I got the money. I'll invest. Can you believe that? Like, and this is I believe it, brother. <laughs> this is like when Les Brown was saying this. I'm on a treadmill, like. Like and that's exactly how it happened. I had the fucking money, and I didn't have the money because I had the kids and I, everything I had was like money coming in, going out, coming in, going out. But you were receptive to the message. 
You heard what you just said when you heard Les Brown saying that you wasn't laying in the bed. You didn't have a gun to your head. You was on the treadmill running. So That's, you knew it was coming. You 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 willed it to come. I think a lot of you don't understand. You have to put that energy into the universe. You, you have gotta to be receptive to it. And I remember, um, I don't know, another speaker was saying, um, you know, what you're looking for is looking for you. And um, I know what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. So when I started thinking about that, it's looking for me. It's like eventually we're going to meet. Yeah. And it's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like I know, I could back then I couldn't tell you um, who I was or what I wanted to do exactly. But right now I know who I am and I know where I'm going and I know I'm going to make it. Like it's yes. just, it's just uh, the laws. It's, it's just the laws. You, you, the the laws, laws are the laws. As long as you follow the laws, you yes. just can't lose. Yeah, Eric Thomas is another one. You listen to Eric yeah, Thomas. Yeah, I remember him saying he's like, and he was also he's, these guys are passionate. You know, yes, he was very. Talking, when he was talking about, he's like, if you put in the hard work, if you suffer, I promise you. I remember he was like shaking. He was like, I promise you. I promise. At you. the end, there's a reward. And I felt like he was talking to me when he said that. And, and I'm like, this guy is promising me that I, if I put the work in, I'm gonna be rewarded. He was, bro, because you. And listened. I was sleeping yeah. in my car when I heard that. I used to go. I remember. Um, and this is, listen, um, I tell people I was sleeping in my car, but yes, I could have went to my mom's house and slept at her couch. Yes, I could have gone to my sister's house and slept in her, in her, um, in her basement, which eventually I did. Um, but I didn't want to be a burden to no one. I wanted to figure out me. I wanted to be in the, in the jungle by myself. So I remember I would park my car at the Edge Fitness Club, sleep there, wake up, go work out, take a shower and go to work. And that was every day. And that's why now I wake up at three in the morning because of that routine. You know what I mean? That was a routine. I would go sleep there around nine, wake up around three, three thirty, go to the gym, work out. I had a place to shower. I had my book bag, put fucking clothes on, and I went out to the barbershop all day. Yeah. And that's how I was doing it until, you know, I started just I got then I went to my sister's house. I was doing paintings in her basement. And then from there, I got an art studio. I lived in an art studio in a, in a futon, flipping futon. And I would do my art there. And then from there, I got that apartment. You build. You, you, you might not have everything you want right there, but you build little by little. I got my apartment. I had no furniture. I remember sleeping on the floor, no furniture. Then you get your couches. You get your, And when you, look up, when you look at it, you turn it into a game. It's like, it's fun. I, yeah. I miss that. I miss those days now. Yeah, yeah. Like, I remember I used to sleep in my fucking car and go. The, the hustle was so real. You feel me? Like, it, it just fall in love with the journey. Yeah, you yeah. Know what I'm a lot of people focus on the destination. You may never even get there. Just focus on the journey. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Exactly. And then people tell me, like, you know, I'm always. I, I go to Miami and rent Lamborghinis and go to the best restaurants and. Um, People will be like, I wish I had the life you had, and I, and you take so many Lamborghinis. Trips. Lamborghinis. Talk that shit. Go ahead. Everything. Man. I go. I live the fucking life when I go on vacation. Where you eat at? Where you eat at in Miami? One twelve. One twelve. Talk it, man. Tell them, man. I stay at Fountain Blue. Tell them, man. Live on Sunday. I go to Puerto Rico. <laughs> live on Sunday. I hate clubs, by the way. I don't do clubs. Man. I literally hate clubs. But um, so no. What I'm trying to say is, um, I got here, but I remember there was. Five years that I ain't take a day off and I ain't taking that one vacation. And I had my friends that were making money talking about when are you going on a vacation? I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm not ready for that yet. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I started taking vacations once I um, felt like I was ready for it. And we need vacations. Um, we need to be taking trips because life's too short, one. And two, 
trips inspire us. I've learned so much stuff about rich people and rich things and luxury things that I've been, you know, I go to Cali or anywhere I go, I'll go play, I'll go eat at Nobu in Cali or whatever. And you see all these people and it just inspires you. Like, yes. I'm going to go back home and go hard. Yes. Yes. Because you see these people, these 20 year olds with the Ferraris and Lambo. I'm like, this guy's 25. He got a Lamborghini. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like I'm going back home and I'm and I'm going harder. It broadens your perspective. I just I just got back from Hawaii, man. It's the best vacation I ever took in my life. It's the uh, you know they go by saying aloha there. Uh, just 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 so much love. It's just the vibes there is just so peaceful and just. But you have to have that mindset. You see how you say when you see it, you get motivated. Some people see it and hate it and be questioning themselves, well, why I ain't got that? And why? Don't question it. Don't question why not. Question question yourself, how, what I need to do to get to get I, to that. I, I've always done that. Um, um, when, I, when I remember I remember when I was a roofer, I used to do roofing, um, going to a house, and it's a big, big house. And I was like, I want a house like this. And I was 18, and I used to ask myself, like, how am I going to do this, though? How am I going to do it? Mm-hmm. And then years later, I'm getting to it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and and, and um, I got a beautiful home now, but it's not the home. Yeah. The home that I want is is coming. You know what I'm saying? And and, and these are all materialistic things yes. that don't really matter. But I want my family to have a home, a beautiful mm-hmm. home that, that, you know, I mean, we have that now, but. I want the in-ground pool. Yes. If, if, right. if you're listening out there, pay attention how he said it's coming. Pay attention to how he speak things into fruition. Pay attention to how when you hear Eddie speak, there's no self-doubt. Pay attention. There's no self-doubt. He's speaking into existence, speaking things into fruition. And you can do the same things too. You know, don't doubt yourself. You know, your only competition is in the mirror. And um, also listening to your EP, I uh, heard another lyric and it said, uh, we come from struggles. We ain't talk about seeing things we ain't understand. And mm-hmm. I relate to that because when you come up in certain environments, we tend to, you know, hold things in. And so how do you feel about mental health? I, I think uh, mental health is the most important thing before anything. Because mm-hmm. if, um, if you can't control your mind and, and, and your mental health is suffering, everything's going to suffer. The way you eat suffers, the, the people, everything suffers. So I think mental health is number one. And um, I'm all for talking, taking, going to therapy. I remember I had a great therapist I went to for 10 years. He was a Christian. Um, um, and he was very, you know, he gave me a lot of advice. Um, and um, it helped me out a lot. But sometimes um, you got to also go to different um, therapists. You can't, I, I think talking to different people is uh, therapy. And like me talking to you right now yeah. is, is therapy. This is very not. therapeutic, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, so we kind of got to, I think we got to redefine therapy and, and, and kind of like uh, talk about uh, different ways because going to a professional that lives a different lifestyle and comes from a different culture and it comes from a different ethnicity and comes all that plays a part. You know what I'm saying? Um, I remember there was asking Denzel Washington, what, why um, not a white director for a movie and why they had to do a, a black director. And he was like, because you know, something about a black person understands the straining of the hair and 
and the smell of the the, yeah. the, the iron and yeah. I remember you saying yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. And I and I feel like, you know, uh I could sit down with a Polish man that that wouldn't understand my culture and the things I've been through and the decisions I made and why I made them. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And um and the things we've seen. So when I talk about that, we, we don't understand things we've seen and um uh, that line in that song, it, it's like when you're younger, you see things that you don't understand. Like what what what's going on? And then when you're older, you understand. Yeah. And it's like fuck. You know what I'm saying? We did need the therapy back then when we were kids. We, Absolutely. But we were taught not to tell nobody shit. Exactly. Because, <laughs> because back then it was like I remember my mom always being like I said, not being educated enough to understand that the help that was out there. You know, like. You know, my mom said, you go to school, say anything, you know, DCF's coming, you know, stuff like that. Absolutely. So we were always taught to kind of like keep things don't a vol- secret. Don't volunteer no information. Right. Don't answer Don't open no the doors. Don't I remember I used to watch my, my brother and sister when I was nine. My mom would work second shift and I was nine years old watching my younger brother and sister. But I was like like a 13 year old. I was very smart. You know, I was very aware. I had some type of wisdom when I was a kid. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't care if the house on fire, don't open the door. Sure. <laughs> you know, all those that's things. how it was. Yeah. man. But, but the, you know, the therapy I needed was, I, I remember how, how important it was for, for me. I needed a father. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, when I realized I needed a father, like the most important time was teenage years, the dating, I needed a dad there to be like, hey, don't worry about that. There's so many more women out here. Yeah. You know, that that motivational yeah. talk from a father, from a male figure. I never had that male figure yeah. where it's like, I love this kid so much. Even though it wasn't my dad, like another male figure that loved me so much that would give me the advice. So when my heart was broken, my mom didn't understand how to take it. I was a boy. And I just went and went with my friends and started doing drugs. So yeah. I felt like if I had my dad there to kind of mentor me, I wouldn't have took that turn. Yeah. You know what I mean? Your mom, your mom, it sounds like your mom played a real solid role, man, in your life. My mom paid the, she showed me love and um, to never give up. And you mentioned in the line, you said, mom kept the oven open to keep us warm. I felt that because I remember. That's a true story. Man, we didn't even have a dryer. I used to dry my jeans on the oven, man. So what what do you really, really remember about her? If you had to just put, just just say one thing that you really remember about her. The biggest thing about my mom is, she would get back up every time she got knocked down. And that's in me. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you if you knock me down, you better run because I'm going to come back harder. And I don't mean, like, fighting ways. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, actually, I, I don't believe in fighting, especially after yeah. this pardon. I'm focused Absolutely. on You know what I'm saying? Focus. I'm focused. Yeah, but yeah. Um, just, like, to keep keep getting back up, that's, that's my mom. And that's I saw her my whole life get knocked down and get back up, get knocked down. Get back up. I remember going her going for her license. Failed two times. Third time she got it. She just kept going. And, kept and um going. and same thing with jobs. And I remember um I one time she got me a job at her job at the factory she was working. And I remember all the men there, like she was one of the few women. She was like two or three women there. It was all men. And I remember all the men there having respect for my mom because how hard she worked. Mm. And I, I remember being proud, like, yeah. wow, my mom really works hard. It's sad that I never got to um, 100% be able to, you know, do the things I wanted to do for her. But it also feels good that she was there for my wedding and she was there to see me become who I became. 
compared to what she saw she knew I what she saw me you know what I mean my mom yeah. saw me you know obviously she's my mom from everything I went through in my life yeah. to really dis- real destruction and blossoming into this type of phoenix that kind of like I was, I'm a totally different person. You know, I used to smoke cigarettes. I used to do drugs. I used to go to the clubs. I used to drink all the time. I used to be all over the place. I am totally the opposite of that now. So for her to see everything that I, I did, I'm sure, you know, she was really proud of me. I, I mean, I'm a spiritual individual, so I believe she's proud right now in the essence. You get what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I believe we do have Strong believe that too. Yeah, we do have angels that continue to guide us. And if you listen closely, you'll hear her voice to let you know, uh, Eddie, I want to do that. Or this is, mm-hmm. you get what I'm saying? You just got to listen close. A You're lot right. of people just see the physical not here anymore and they just leave it at that. But if you're really, really in tune and you can, you can hear, you can hear her voice. Yeah. You can hear and, her voice. I, and I do. I have a yeah. certain type of relationship with her now. Yes. Um, and I, I feel her and I hear her and, um, and I know that there's certain things that she wants me to do and continue to keep going and doing. Um, and, and, but my main focus is being a better brother, a better husband, better dad, a better, uh, barbershop owner yeah you know what i'm saying like i'm yeah. always trying just to be a better person because life is too short to be out here being angry arguing yes. with people treating people like shit or thinking that you're better than someone yes you know we're here let's just help each other out and i'm not saying i'm perfect we all got yeah. our our yeah. vices that we're trying to work on and um i still get a little angry sometimes but mm-hmm. i've learned i've came so far from my real anger problems back then that I know how to nip it in the butt. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, Quick. You, you, you gain knowledge yourself. And I, something that I always say is that uh, we're going to be dead longer than we lived. And right. once you grasp that concept, uh, you're not going to really waste too much time on the small stuff because that's taken away from your creative juices. If you sit here arguing for uh, uh, five minutes or 10 minutes, that's five or 10 minutes taken away from you giving uh, positive advice to your daughter right. or your son or coming up with a master plan. Right. And it's not, not to mention that it's not your high blood pressure is contrib- contributing to that. It's contributing yeah. to your stress. Yeah. Um, you know, just your whole overall health. My next question is, what are three of the most happiest moments in your life? Just three. Um, I want to say four because you got four kids. So, so we'll put that in one ball. Yeah, that's in one ball. My yeah, kids being born, kids, yeah. um, the day I was married, uh-huh. and and um, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's funny because I got two, but it's like, I'm you get open, a bonus. Open up my, you know, when I officially opened up my barbershop was like surreal to me. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Knowing that I came from where I would come from. Um, but the day I got out of jail tw- 18 years ago was a happy moment. One of my happiest moments too, because it made me realize how free, how great freedom is. I know that. I know. I know that feeling, bro. Trust me. I know that. I went from level five all the way down to level one. And you Same know, here. How, you Same know here. how they say, uh, "Don't ever say." I ain't going back and I ain't never going back. No, it's it's a mindset. If you know you don't want to go back, you won't go back. So I remember le- discharging and me dragging the little cot they gave you. Yeah. And I remember him saying, hey, Rivera, um, don't drag that because you're going to need it when you come back. Mm. And I, I laughed at him and I said, I'm never coming back. And I never went back. Yeah. Knock on wood. Uh, yeah. I never went back. Yeah. You had a lyric that said, real men don't say they real. 
We just lay back and chill. That was deep, brother. Mm-hmm. That was deep. And I keep bringing up your lyrics because what people, a lot of people don't understand, they just listen to the music and they hear the beats, but it's different. Music is so therapeutic. And when you put those lyrics out, you're being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I got a lot of that on this EP. You're extremely vulnerable and transparent. That's something that I can admire because we live in the era to where you have to be macho and tough and you really can't show emotions. And it's like, well, how are you really a solid guy if you're just one-sided, you're just super tough and you don't have any emotions? That's a facade. Right. That's that's fake. That's an ego. And, and my motto is... You're hiding behind something. You're hiding behind something. Yes. Ego means easing God out. So if you just have this whole ego and this whole facade... That's a front. That's a lie. So who's ever under your tutelage, whether it's your kids or whether it's your coworkers, they may develop that 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 trait, and, and they can end up crashing and burning. And, and ego is okay too. I, 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 there's nothing wrong with ego, but you got to know when to use it, how to use it, and know uh, when to use it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you you do need ego sometimes, but. In all, in all honesty, you need to be real before anything. You need yeah. to express who you are, and you got to tell your story and not fabricate it. Um, I don't fabricate my story. You know what I mean? I, I didn't sell drugs. I wasn't good at it. I tried selling drugs. I, I did them. I respect that. You know what I'm saying? Um, I was never a fighter growing up, even though I uh, love going to karate and boxing. I was yeah. never into That was never my passion. My, my You know, I, I've always focused on making people smile and surprising people. That was when I was a kid growing up, it was always, let me do a drawing and surprise somebody like, wow, this kid's talented. Or it was a poem before it was rap. And, um, or it was a backflip. You know, I remember yeah. I've, I've, I've always wanted to, um, uh, impress people and, um, excite people and, and stuff like that with my art. So, you used to flip on mattresses. I, you know, what's funny. I never really flipped on mattresses. I, I learned on the grass and I almost broke my neck a few times. Oh, man. <laughs> so in my neighborhood, no one really had mattresses like oh, that. Oh, yeah. We used to flip on them. Pissy ones. But, oh, you know, man. the projects. Oh, was like, projects, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe I did once or twice, but yeah. I remember my mom, I think my mom probably saw me doing it one time. And she yelled at me, <laughs> telling me how nasty it was. How nasty it was, yeah. We didn't, we're kids, we can't even think. We don't, right, right. We can catch something, we don't even know. But what would be... Some great advice you have for dads out there. So there's a lot of great advice I have for dads. Um, I recently uh, just got shared physical custody of my two daughters. Congratulations. Thank you. So um, if, 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 if you're in a situation where you're not living with your kids, mm-hmm. I highly recommend to go to court and get everything on paper. So there's no hiccups or there's no, you know, I think every dad deserves the same amount of rights the mom gets. I agree. And I fall hard. I, I fall hard for that. But as a father, you got to be a provider. You know what I mean? I don't pay child support. Like I, 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 I'm, I. legally yeah. I, through court, it's like I'm not. I'm not. I don't pay child support. And you know how great that feels. And it's not because I'm not giving money out. It's because I got recognized as a great father at yes, as a you know at court. And they're like, you know what? We trust you enough to take care of your kids. And, and um, that that's a blessing. And every man should work towards that. Yes. Because we live in a state, Connecticut, 
it's known to be a woman's state. But I, I'm, um, from my experience, I think Connecticut is doing a better job with um, with fathers and acknowledging fathers. That it's are, getting there. It's, it's getting, getting there. Because, yeah. like I said, they, they granted me what I have. And, um, and I know a lot of other dads that are out there fighting and getting the same. So don't let the... What I'm trying to say is don't let the, you know, the Connecticut stuff, yeah, you know, yeah. we're in Connecticut, so don't let the Connecticut hype fool you. Go talk to a lawyer. If you can't afford a lawyer, educate yourself. And um, you can open up a case for like 300 bucks. And if you can't afford it, um, you could sign a waiver where they. Uh, yep, you can't sign a waiver. You yeah. know, where they waive the fee and all that. You so I don't about. want to hear no excuses. No excuses. No dads. Yeah. Like, oh, she don't let me see the kids or this and that. Go to court. And get it done. That's what I give advice to the ones that are trying to fight for custody or whatever. And and, and if you want shared physical custody, you gotta put. You know, you gotta have a room for them. Yep. You gotta um. You gotta be there, and, and you gotta have Provide transportation for. Yeah, them. you gotta be yeah. half of the medical. Yeah. You gotta um have them extracurriculum stuff. Yep. You know, you, you gotta be a dad. And if you're not a dad, yeah. you're gonna be paying the money that you're going to they, they taking from you. You know what I mean? Because yeah. those kids need to go to gymnastics or whatever, karate. Or they need to go. Um, they need new clothes. They need food. They need transportation. Yeah, they need, they need kids, medical. Yeah. They, they, you know, they need things. Yeah. So that's what I, the advice I give to um, fathers that are, um, you know, going through that situation. And as far as fathers um, that are in, you know, living with the mom and the kids, I, I just think it's, uh, we, uh, we don't know how to be parents immediately. It's a learning experience. You know, you're learning how to be a dad to a one-year-old then a two-year-old all the way up to 18-year-old. Like, I'm learning yes. how to be a dad to 18, 19-year-old. Like, how do I treat her now? Yeah. So we never stop learning. I think, um, you know, never stop learning and um, educating yourself in all aspects. You know, you know, stoicism, 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 yeah, yeah. Stuff like that, you know, um, spiritual stuff. Uh yeah. Um, motivational speakers give you a lot of great information because at the end of the day, it's all about how to be a great human. Yeah, I agree. And then the parenting is like, okay, now you're being a great human to your, this is your offspring. Like this is your legacy. After you're done, they're going to take it and run. So um, yeah, just constantly educate yourself. Now you, I remember when we first started talking, uh, doing this interview, you mentioned how your dad, um, wasn't there for a large portion of your life. And off camera, we spoke and you say how you go to Philadelphia and you see him and you spend time with that. I want to commend you on that because, you know, you did say your mom passed away and um, condolences and may God Thank rest you. her soul. Um, but your dad is still alive and you want to make sure, you know, you have that time that you can have um, with him. And, and I just want to commend you on that because I didn't get to meet my dad until I was 21, 22 years old. Mm -hmm. And he's around the same age as your dad. And you know what, Eddie, I don't even hold no grudges, man, because yeah. I realized it's a generational thing. And yep. his dad, it wasn't his fault. It okay. wasn't his fault. Like my dad um, tells me so many stories. He, he grew up in Puerto Rico. And like I said, in the mountains, yeah. there's nothing out there. All their, my dad would tell me stories like you're either going to school or doing drugs when I was growing up. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And um, my dad started shooting heroin at 13. Um, and I hope he never gets mad at me for telling these stories. But no, he I tell these this. I tell it's these real. stories to help people out. Yes. We all been through some shit. Yes. And 
And my dad's a great man. Like after I, I you know, we love you, pops. You, you know sure. it's real here. We love you for sure. Um, so you know, he started doing that, and when and when you start listening, he's like, my dad used to whip me with with, with horse whips. You know what I'm saying? He's like, who the hell? Of course, you're gonna drive a kid and want to do drugs to 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 escape from that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then at 13, you're so ignorant. You know what I mean? So he he was addicted for a while, and um, I remember he, he, my mom broke up with him. We moved to Philadelphia. He actually followed her to Philly. Mm-hmm. And then she, from there, she went to Connecticut. He stayed in Philly and destroyed his life. We're talking yeah. about destroyed it. He was sleeping in the streets, no shoes, no shower. My dad, remember, he told me he showered for like a year. He told me these stories because mm-hmm. these are real stories. And um, then he went to jail and then changed his whole life around. My dad is um, actually one, he's such a great person. He's just been through a lot of stuff. Yes. Um, but... um. Years later, he's still here and he's doing good. He doesn't, you know, he, he's been clean since the 90s. He's um, he's always- Salute to that. For sure. And um, he's always given me advice, a lot of wisdom. Um, and, and, and it makes me proud to be able to be like, I got the barbershop. Yeah. Because he's a barber. And, and I know oh, that- Oh, wow. Yeah. And I know that's something he wanted. You know, who doesn't want to own a barbershop? Yeah. Well, Has he ever been there? Yeah, he's been there. Oh, yeah? He just looks, you know, I used to go visit him when I was 17. Yeah. In Philly, I think I lived with him for a year over there at 17. And he would cut hair all the time. He was like, just learn how to cut hair. I never cared. I wanted to be this rapper. And I remember he had um, some kids come in Philly. He's like, listen to my son rap. And I remember I rap and dudes laughed at me and said, he sucks. Yeah. And my dad's like, you ain't going to be no rapper. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then it just, <laughs> I remember it killed my dreams. I'm like, damn, yeah. I do suck. Um, so, yeah, that was a little story side yeah. note for that. No, but I don't, I, I think with music is just, um, like I said, it's just a canvas. If it's real and it's from the heart, everyone has a story to tell. And it's just like movie directors, just like authors of books. Everyone has their own story to tell and their own unique way of telling it. And so when I listen to your music and I go through the, I'm a, like I said, I'm a musician of myself. I'm not listening to it to try to critique it. I'm listening to it to try to receive something. And what right. can I receive from it? And of course, I didn't just give you uh, each verse. I gave you to what I received from it and mm-hmm. all of those lines or potent lines. And, and I can tell you pay attention because those were um, very important, important lines in those. Yeah. And I, re- and I definitely relate to them. But just shifting topics a little bit, um, tell the people about New Style Collectibles. You know, I know you have uh, designed a figure sort of like a, like a mini statue. I wish I brought it, but uh, yes. It's okay. So um, 10 years ago, I was in barbering school and um, my mind drifted off in class and I drew this little figure. Um, with a big smile, and then I'm like, if I ever, if I ever own a barbershop, I remember it was a slick top. I called it slick top, and I drew that character. Yeah, and then it sounded funny. I slick like it. To, no, but what's his name now? Because you got to stick with that name. Nah, New Style Collectibles. Oh, I, I, yeah. no, no. But so, so, um, I, I, I'm like, if I ever had a barbershop, I would use this logo and call it Slick Top. And again, everybody made fun of that name, Slick Top. So I was like, I got rid of the name and I just kept the logo. For, um, we're, this, we're talking about ten years ago. Yeah. And I kept the logo, and then um, I always kept it. Uh, you know, I would look at it once in a while. And then when it was time to open up, open up my barbershop, I was like, I already got the guy. Now I just got to think of the name. And then the new style came from it just everything being brand new. You know, I had a new girlfriend. I had everything was new. 
in my life at the time. So, you know, new car, new everything, new business. So yeah. I was like, you know what? It's going to be called New Style. And then it's the rest is history with the, with the, you know, working with the kids with autism. And, yeah. And then um, so uh, this past year, I was like, I want I, I've been traveling a lot, going to Art Basel. Um, you're That's what's up, Basel. yeah, Miami. I see it. I, I go every year to Miami. Lambos and everything. Yeah, I go to Miami every year for That's Art Basel, up, and and I see a lot of big artists, and and a lot of them have their figures. I'm like, I need to get my figure, and then I turned that guy. I, I remember I drew it and I sent it to one of my guys. I'm like, can you turn this into 3D? And then he's like, yeah. So um, he did that, and I ordered the 3D printer, and I started printing them out myself, and I paint them. I painted myself, so now I got 3D. I got three of them. Three. 3D printers. I need one, bro. Huh? I got a man cave. I need one, bro. You need a 3D printer? Oh, no. You know, I need, yeah. I need, yeah. So I, I released 10 a month. They're $100 uh, a piece. Okay. 30 of it goes to a kid for a haircut. Yep. Yeah, and um, they're all numbered. So yeah. they're collectibles and stuff. So every every month is going to be a new color, different designs, and different okay. things. So yeah. Um, the first, April sold out. May's pretty much sold out. I got June getting ready to come out. I get one in June. So, so yeah. little by little, you know, I'm just. I like it. I like I'm it. like this small little. Uh, um, what's that called? Uh, visionary. Yeah. And, and um, entrepreneur and and philanthropist. Very, uh, very philanthropy. innovative though. You think innovative? You're, you're very innovative. In, in a small little world, and I'm just trying to blow it up, like. Yeah. Tony Stark type. It's blowing up. You know what I'm saying? It's it's blowing up, brother. But the biggest thing is helping the kids and um, inspiring. Like like I said, it comes from everything I went through as a child. If we go into war with ourselves, that's cool. But we should all focus on these children to be having a, a beautiful kid experience. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's one of the main reasons why I found passion in coaching kids. I haven't coached in 10 years. I got I got two boys. One is uh, 19 and one is 17. Um, I've just followed his football career now. He got different offers, like from Duke, West Virginia. That's right. But I just, I'm just so, no, thanks. I'm just so, uh, I miss it, man. So I got to go back. I got. I, I said I'm going to go back and coach kids this year, but I feel hey, the same way. You yes, man, yes. Because you're making an impact in, on, on those young kids' lives, and you also have the opportunity to, play a role in changing the tra- trajectory of their yes. lives. You understand what I'm saying? It's like they probably, fathers are probably not there. Some of the kids' fathers um, were murdered. Some of the kids' fathers are incarcerated. Some of the kids' fathers are here and just won't show up to right, practice, right. show up to the But if you can tell them that, you know, you believe in them and, and not stand up and talk down to them, take one knee and look at them face to face and tell them how much you believe in them, I really feel that it can have a positive impact. Absolutely, on your life. I talk to teenage kids at the barbershop all the time, and um, we come from a generation that everyone, when we were teenagers, our uncles would always ask us like, "Hey, what's up with the new girlfriend? New girlfriend? Yeah. You got girlfriend? You got girlfriend?" Yeah. I don't talk about girlfriends no more with these yeah. kids. Like, we shouldn't be talking about girlfriends. Like, worry about a girlfriend when you got your money. When you got your, yeah, like, let's talk about some money. Yeah. But what do you got planned to make this money? Because yeah. the girlfriend topic is like back then. That, I think that was. Harmful for our generation, a constant talking about it was, and I never thought about that until you just said that. You know, so now I focus on talking about careers first. Last question, Eddie: How would you like to be remembered? I would like to remember. I would like to be remembered as a person with a big heart, um, someone that never gave up, someone that gave back as much as he could, 
and someone that just inspired people. You know, I want people to be like that guy inspired me to be who I am today or do what I do today. You know what I mean? If I could inspire someone that was broken like I was, because I know that fucking pain. Yeah. If I could, even if it's just one person, I want to be able to inspire and um, let people know that it don't matter where you come from, who you are, what color your skin is. And this is true fact, regardless mm-hmm. of what, what decade we're on, you are unstoppable. You know, all that victim mentality stuff like, oh, I can't do this because I'm black or Puerto Rican or I'm white. All that bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. stop it. Stop. You know, you see, you see Jay-Z, he's in, about to be a freaking first rapper billionaire. Yeah. You know, Mark oh, he's a billionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The rap, you know, Mark Anthony, like the whole yep. ethnicity thing. I think yep. the, the whole people create that around them. Like, I yeah. can't. Yes, it might be a little hard for the minorities to break through that door. But once you break through that door, you're going to like, it's going to be a lot more worth it. You yes. know, we go through our little um, bullshit with the racism and stuff, yeah. but you know, uh, don't let that stop you from pursuing what you want to do because you will break through. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I mean, look at the Nelson Mandela story. Absolutely, 27 years, man. He came out he broke and through. president. Like, yeah. Like, if that story doesn't inspire you, I don't know what else. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know, right? For real. <laughs> Tell the people how they can get in contact with you and follow you on your social media platforms. Uh, my Instagram is Eddie underscore Newstyle and um. Same thing with Facebook, and my name is Eddie Rivera. So you could you could look me up anywhere, but yeah. I mainly I'm mainly on Instagram yeah. as Eddie E D D I E underscore New Style. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Eddie New Style Rivera. I'm your host Ray Porter. Parental Vision. I like to leave you with this: the platinum rule of parenting is do unto your children as you wish your parents has done unto you. Until next time, stay up. Thank you, guys.